Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Johnny Kesk one of the trailblazers for vinyasa yoga and a true yoga advocate for safe yoga teachings in gyms worldwide. He has opened the gates for yoga practitioners with his work as the yoga program director for Lifetime Fitness Gyms nationwide. From his early journeys in India to visit Sri Patabi Joyce, to his dedication to meditation and raising conscious children, Johnny reveals his passion for empowering teachers today. You know, some teachers come in and they say, okay, let go of whatever you brought in. No, leave at the door what you don't want, you know, what, what happened earlier. In the, in the sacred space, no, you just be with whatever you brought in. If you brought in, if you just smoked a cigarette, then feel that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you just got into a fight with your, you know, significant other, then you just feel that. So it's not about trying to change or leave something out. It's just being present with what is. What is. So get ready to focus within as Johnny shows us where to begin on this truly inspiring episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. <laughs> it brings me great honor um, to bring on Johnny Kest today to the Yoga Revealed podcast and to share his knowledge and wisdom and how he's built his influence and his reach into bringing yoga to lifetime fitness and to actually creating a yoga sequence that has now been taught all over the United States and sharing that wisdom of yoga with the regular everyday gym goer. So it brings me great honor to have you on the podcast today, Johnny, to share your wisdom with our following here today. Yeah. So how's your day going thus far? It's good. It's early. Yeah, it's pretty it's early, early here. Yeah. But how's your stay been in Santa Monica? Uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, I got a chance to visit my son, Jonah Kast, and my brother, Brian. Mm-hmm. And that was the main purpose for coming out here was to connect with family and everything else has been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I got a chance to take one of your classes. Uh, Jonah actually invited me um, to come alongside him and take your class to really get a feel for what you provide. And it was an absolutely amazing experience just being able to really 
drop into your wisdom and to, to drop into that class that was packed full of awesome people and that community right there at Lifetime Fitness, an absolutely beautiful community of yogis. Yeah, it's re we're really fortunate. Lifetime has um, been instrumental in bringing people from all walks of life. And, you know, there's a lot of people interested in yoga that do other kind of fitness activities. And Lifetime, I'm not sure exactly what the t statistics are, but they're probably one of the largest corporations or organizations that introduce Americans to yoga mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the country. Definitely, yeah. I could see that. I mean, it looks like, from my perspective, they've got a full gym, they've got a spa, salon, like everything inside of that one facility, and the yoga center was absolutely immaculate. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I kind of want to go into um, some of the, the start of your yoga and kind of like where your yoga began, because it seems like, you know, with your brother and with your son, like you guys are a family of yogis just sharing this light of yoga. Yeah, yes. Um, you know, I, I think the seeds has been, was planted a long time ago, but really, really my father uh, is a very radical man mm -hmm. and uh, likes to turn things upside down. And over 35 years ago, he, he ventured into yoga and, and brought us with him. Wow. So over 35 years ago, so that means, how old were you, like 10? I, I was 13, 12, 13 wow. years old. Wow. Wow. And so you started yoga pretty early on. Yeah, I was, I was extremely fortunate to be introduced to Ashtanga, Vinyasa oh, wow. Yoga, through uh, David, my father, David Williams, who had brought Patapi Joyce to Hawaii. And uh, that was the beginning of our, our journey. And our lineage was with through Ashtanga Vinyasa with David Williams, Patabi Joyce. And so were you practicing daily at that time? Or was it something that you kind of just did after school? Or how did you take on to it at that time? Well, it was during the summer. And, they, you know, Ashtanga is pretty strict. You, you, uh, you, at that point, you had to commit to 30 days without without break except for moon moon days wow and, and Saturday so um, my father woke us up every morning and we had to show up on our mats every every day so it was a it started off pretty pretty structured intense experience for us yeah and early on how did you take to that uh you know there was a little resistance we weren't like early morning you know rise and shine um <laughs> but since it was a family thing my dad brought all of us and and it was pretty ashtanga's pretty vigorous there's a lot of arm balances and fun stuff for young teenage boys to gravitate towards so <laughs> it was it, it was physically edgy and challenging that kind of caught our attention and we wanted to you know we wanted to experiment with that so i thought that there wasn't um that much resistance, a little bit. And then there was this a really small, intimate, beautiful yoga community in Maui, Hawaii, mm. and that it kind of embraced us. Because my, my father was trying to raise four, sing, you know, he was a single father trying to raise four wild boys. <laughs> wow. Um, we're all about a year apart. So it was, uh, the yoga community kind of helped him do that, and we, we embraced it. That's awesome. So it was you and your four brothers going to practice every single day with your father. That's correct. Yes. Wow. 
So that early in your practice, were you developing um, just the asana or were you also developing some of the other limbs of yoga as far as like understanding the yamas and the niyamas and more of like the fundamental morals of the yoga? For the for us, I'm sure pretty sure the doorway was marked physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember hearing yoga chitta vritti narodaha mm-hmm. from my teacher, but it didn't really mean anything at that point. Mm-hmm. I didn't make that connection between calming and stilling the mind and yoga. Something felt good about it. Something was it. Something was penetrating. I wasn't sure what. I don't think I made the philosophical connections or the deeper. Um, connection to meditation at that point, but it was absolutely a doorway. Mm. So so what do you feel um, kind of took your practice to the next level in the sense of you understanding the depth of the yoga? At what time and point was it more than just the asana practice that attracted you? Um, well, there was some, probably some frustration in that because Ashtanga is a, a series, it's developed in four series. Mm-hmm. Basically, a, sort of kind of a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. That's how it is, the physically. And, and some of the things that my body just could not get into. I, I, I was frustrated um, mm-hmm. with, with it. I, I, and so um, something just didn't feel right. It felt kind of like I was in a posture race. Mm. And as I climbed up the ladder, the postural ladder, some days were better than others, but even when I, you know, supposedly mastered the, po- the, the posture I was working on, it kind of felt like a bottomless bucket, hmm. like there was something missing. And, and uh, the, there was something working, but there was something also kind of frustrating missing, like there's got to be something more to this. There was something. And then... My father once again opened another doorway and introduced me to Vipassana meditation. Mm. Wow. So when was your first Vipassana meditation? It was at 23 years old. Wow. So you had been practicing during that time. Um, at that time, were you also going to school? Um, had you like done any, like I don't know, extracurricular activities? Like What was your passion other than yoga? Well, let's see. So I... I I was introduced to yoga at 13, 12 or 13 years old, and then shortly after, my dad is very, like I said, um, he's very radical. And when, he, when my father does something he, and likes it, he usually just focuses on it. He's like very type A, very driven. Mm-hmm. And there was a point where he wouldn't even talk to you if you, if you weren't in the Ashtanga yoga community. If you weren't doing Ashtanga, he didn't want anything, he didn't want to, anything to do with you. He was really... That was it, and so he he wanted to study more, and so he took myself and my younger brother to India at the age of fifteen. Wow! So you had already gone on your first India trip at fifteen? Yeah. So at fifteen years old, we went to Mysore and around the country studying not just Ashtanga yoga, but studying different meditations mm-hmm. and just immersing ourselves in in India. So at the age of 15, you had gone on this trip to Mysore and you had discovered different types of meditation. Um, now at the age of 23, you had actually gone to your first Vipassana? Yes. Okay. So that was that trip to India probably was the really tipping point for me because when I came back home, my 
gym teacher said, why don't you share what you learned in India with the gym class? <laughs> so once a week I started teaching yoga. That was my first teaching job was in my high school. Wow. To my gym teacher. And that, that kind of created a set, kind of set me apart instead of me trying to fit in with the jocks mm -hmm. or the geeks or I sort of started creating my own um, attraction, law of attraction there. People were really interested in it. Yeah, like, wow, you, you were able to express your own passion. Yeah, I, I was very um, passionate about I loved, I loved um, my experience in India, and, and I, I was really excited to share it. And so that was my first teaching opportunity. And, and surprisingly, 35 years, la years later, my gym teacher I'm st still comes to and practices yoga. Wow. <laughs> so, that's amazing. It's really amazing. And that, that's the one thing that I realized. There's a lot of different translations for the word yoga. Mm -hmm. But for me, the word yoga, the, the most, I would say, sticky translation for me is it means relationship. Mm. How to um, be in relationship and come out successful. Mm. Definitely. Positive relationships mm -hmm. through connection. I mean, it, you know, you can say that your word yoga means to yoke, to union, but it's, it's really about relationships. And, and so um, yoga, is, as I've seen, you know, you told me in your life, has made a lot of really positive connections. Definitely. Long-lasting ones. That is the truth, yeah. And, and meeting your son, you know, Jonah, mm -hmm. when he came here to Santa Monica, he just reached out to me and it was only my best intention to show him around and to introduce him to the community and I completely resonate with that that mm -hmm. yoga is relationship and to help bring forth greater relationship of positive expansion because really we're all here to connect and to uplift one another I feel mm -hmm. and to truly share our passions so that we can all co-collaborate and create together so that this world can be a more colorful um, representation of ourselves of our truest self mm, yeah that's that. definitely thank you <laughs> um so after the age of 23 with doing this vipassana um did you already have like a teaching following were you already teaching at different studios or was it just something that was a practice that you held near and dear to your heart no i was just still uh practicing um on my own and sharing it with with friends and and but there it got to a point where when I, I made every summer I went to Hawaii to be with my dad and mm -hmm. and of course we did our practice and but there was some point where um, I was always a little concerned that I might lose this practice Keep, having your own individual yoga practice and keeping it up is not easy mm -hmm. there's a lot of distractions a lot of things come in in your life and part of me realized that there's a chance that I might lose this practice mm. of yoga meditation. So that was my real real impetus, my real driving force to open up a yoga studio. Ah. And it, shortly after my meditation experience at 23 years old, I opened up the, my, my first yoga studio, which, which is really just um, one class it was one class a week, and I called it the Center for Yoga. <laughs> so I, was I it could, an actual studio? I, it was. I subleased a a, um, a room from a 
meditation center. So it was a meditation center, uh, you know, the autobiographic of a yoga. Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar. There's self actually... Self-realization fellowship. Yeah. Yeah, it was a self-realization uh, meditation studio, and I they let me sublease one an hour for a week, and I called it the Center for Yoga. That's awesome. So you were able to actually rent out this space in this you know, beautiful meditation space, which is, you know, Pramahansa Yogananda's, wow, where was this? That's right, it was in Detroit, outside of Detroit, in the suburb of Detroit, and yeah, it was perfect, the energy was perfect, and, and I had a grand opening, just, uh, it was only one class a week, and it was just me, and a hundred people came, and, uh, to the grand opening, I have it, I still have it on videotape, wow, and, uh, (laughs) that was the beginning, and it, the whole force was though that now I have a community to, so I won't lose my practice. Mm. And it just grew from there. That's beautiful. So as your community grew, this was at the age of what, 20, 24, 25 now? Yeah. And you started teaching. Um, where were you teaching at that time? So bef- up to that point, I was teaching at all the health clubs mm-hmm. around town. and. I wanted to kind of consider. And are you still in Michigan at this time? Yeah, I'm still okay. in Michigan. Cool. And so you were teaching at the health clubs and kind of just getting out there, getting your name out mm-hmm. there, and then you started this grand opening at um, the Self-Realization Center, and then you just continuously hosted classes. When were you um, able to expand and really create a lifestyle out of this? The biggest... I, 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 if I was to mentor someone that was beginning their yoga career. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you're already doing. To me, the biggest catalyst for for building this lifestyle and this life for me was collaboration. Mm -hmm. Starting to collaborate with others. And that was when I arranged the first yoga conference in Ann Arbor. And I invited all the teachers from around the country um, that were had a tremendous influence either on me or or I wanted to meet because I had heard of mm-hmm. and that collaboration really it something changed yeah for me there was a elevation and in, in my life personally and professionally mm. so the more you can collaborate with others the more I have found that you will experience growth and transformation. Wow, that's that completely hits the spot because I found that to be true, very much so here. And in the collaborations that I've done, whether it be um, working with you know Acro Yoga to share the amazing light of connection and support that they do with um, my community or even just as small as doing an acro yoga workshop with you know Jonah and mm. you know touching the community here with that sense of connection on Valentine's Day it's you know like that that class was amazing we packed the house and you know we're two straight guys teaching an acro yoga class to couples and people are sitting there like smooching it up afterwards and <laughs> we like totally brought people to a place where they could truly connect and mm. 
I spoke to someone who took that class, and they said they came out completely feeling yoga stoned. <laughs> they said they were so high, and I, I was, it just tickled me to to see that you guys are, you know, giving people that that way to connect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Collaboration is key. I feel, especially nowadays in the community, huge, huge. like there's so many yogis now. And there's so many people who we can bring together to help spread and share yoga because there's truly a yoga for everyone. Yeah, there you know, there's that force out there of or some idea where we think that we have we're constantly competing and we end up isolating ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if if you don't buy into that, um, there's really a, amazing collaborations out there that can bring people together and, and, and elevate everybody. Definitely. That's the truth. So tell me more about um, in beginning to collaborate with other yogis. I mean, you started this festival in Ann Arbor. How did it go? And how many years after did you do it? It, it was amazing because up to that point, when I started doing these, this yoga conference, there was just the yoga journal conference. And they only invited certain teachers on their kind of horizon. Horizon, and it was pretty much at that point, uh, Iyengar influenced magazine. Mm-hmm. It's changed a lot since then, yeah. but originally it was Iyengar based magazine. So they in, mostly invited Iyengar teachers and certain teachers. Where this Mayo conference, I was able to bring up teachers that maybe not everybody really necessarily knew. Yeah, but give me some names. Anna Force, for oh, example. Wow, you had Anna Force at your conference. Yeah, so she, she, at that point, she was just teaching in a small studio in Santa Monica here. Oh wow! And no one had, had ever heard of her, mm-hmm. but she had come to visit me in Maui when I was living in Maui. With she's actually lived with my father and I, oh. and taught me my first handstand. <laughs> so wow! So I'm like, I get to bring her to a conference, and another uh, big person that. It wasn't big then, but is Paul Grilly, and I don't know if you've met him, but he's someone that I really encourage you to have an interview with. Definitely. Uh, he, Paul Grilly, really has been the instrumental bringing Yin Yoga to America mm. through his teacher. Who was and his teacher? His teacher was, I believe, a Japanese man who studied um, the Meridians. Mm. His name's kind of escapes you escapes me right now not necessarily a yoga teacher but um, someone who studied indefinitely the anatomy of meridians ah. so um, Paul really is phenomenal he has um, also been really influential on me in studying yoga anatomy mm. because there's a, a there's a, some big myths out there in yoga mm-hmm. in fact um, I finally wrote an article called the five myths of alignment because ah. there's a lot of a lot of misconception about and confusion about alignment and I intuitively realized that when I was practicing but Paul Grilly confirmed that scientifically mm. and so um, he, he's got a yoga I think it's called anatomy of I'm not sure you have to you can google it yeah I'll, t- <laughs> I'll definitely google yeah, it and yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll list it in the show notes afterwards um so tell me more about your article that you wrote written where is it publicized or where can i find yeah it? it's been published in uh the several yoga magazines so you can google it. it's called the five myths of, of alignment okay 
Cool. And uh, I'll share that with the Yoga Revealed family as yeah, well. Yeah, kind of like the myth, you know, for example, one of the myths is that if you're not in proper alignment, you'll hurt yourself. Or, um, and, and I go into that in depthly, or, you know, you're born in perfect alignment, and as you get older, you end up becoming misaligned. That's a myth as well, because we're all actually born asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. No one's born in perfect alignment. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've spoken to baby pediatricians, and they say, they, they notice that when the baby comes out, there's dominant sides already. Mm-hmm. And um, one area s- seems more open, and one area is more closed. And, mm-hmm. Uh, another um, big myth is that when you finally get into perfect alignment, your prana flows freely. And that's a big myth because every yoga posture actually is kind of like a hose, like a, a, a garden hose. Mm-hmm. When you get into a yoga posture, you actually bend the garden hose. Mm-hmm. So it actually does the opposite. It doesn't open up prana, it closes prana. Mm. And then, so you're in the pose, the prana is shut off, there's pressure building, and when you come out of the pose, you that's open the hose, release. and that's when the release ah. goes on. But people think, oh, if I'm in proper alignment, I'm opening up. No, yoga postures actually close. Mm. It's the opposite, and build, that's, that, that closing is important because it stimulates yeah. pressure on either end. That's why if you hold any yoga posture long enough, eventually you'll go numb, yep. because you're closing prana. Yeah. But people are really confused. They think, oh, when I get in perfect alignment, <laughs> energy, I'll be like a Christmas tree and I'll just light up. <laughs> Bursting out of yes. this warrior too. <laughs> but really, every yoga posture is meant to, you know, um, stimulate and... Mm-hmm. Bring that energy to a certain place. And then when you release out of that posture and go into your shavasana, then you have that... Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's... There's some really fun stuff and that I've intuitively kind of felt and then Paul Gurley was able to um, put it into a real language um, of a scientific language, anatomy language. Definitely. It's kind of like the anatomy of self acceptance. Mm. Definitely. Mm. So so tell me more about the... That was a collaboration that really changed me. Yeah. My collaboration with Paul Gurley. But there is there are so many teachers that I invited um, the Swenson brothers Dave and Doug. Yeah, um, they are amazing. Amazing people. I got got a chance to collaborate with them, um, and and I did invite some even some Iyengar yoga teachers, Manuso Manos and um, Mary Dunn, mm. and so it it was really wonderful collaboration that that I noticed was the biggest shift in my career, if you will. Yeah, and how often did you continue those? Um... Done, you know, conferences. I started I did. Con- started doing just uh, that first one in Ann Arbor, and then I've, since then, I've done probably 30 conferences, big conferences in Las Vegas, and Austin, Texas, and Miami. Wow. Um, and Chicago. Do you still do them to this day? So I, it's been about three years. I, I, I stopped doing them and started focusing on more on teacher training. Mm-hmm. But I'm sort of getting an itch to want to do another one. So maybe <laughs> you, Joan, and I can talk about that later. Yeah, definitely. I would love to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. 
Certainly. Well, collaboration continues. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So now that you've kind of segued into the teacher training, um, why do you feel it's so important to focus your energy now on teacher training? Well, because of my collaboration with Lifetime Fitness, this big company that introduces more people to yoga than maybe any other organization in America, it was really important that I help train their teachers on on how to teach yoga and how to teach other people how to teach yoga. Hmm. So that's really where my focus is now, not necessarily teacher training, teaching people how to teach yoga, but now teaching people how to teach yes. other people how to teach yoga. Yeah. Do you see the teaching different? the teachers. Teaching the teachers. Certainly. And, and that's can, been a real passion for me. Can you tell me more about um, the the reach and the 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 vastness of the lifetime fitness um, influence? Well, right now they have a hundred and twenty locations. Uh, each location is pretty. It's pretty big. They average between um, I don't know, eight and ten thousand members so you're talking over a million people wow for sure and um and how many classes per day are they offering so they have over they average over 10 at least 10 to 15 teachers per location so you're talking over a thousand teachers probably like 1500 teachers that um that i am in collaboration with if you will Mm. and so it's it's a pretty big reach wow and so are you um not only like doing their teacher trainings, but you're also like uh, showing them different sequences to use? Yeah, so when I first was um, brought into Lifetime, they had 30 different kinds of types of yoga um, class descriptions. It was kind of all over the board, and they sort of wanted to narrow down a brand. And as you probably know, Vinyasa Yoga is the most popular style of yoga in the country. Mm-hmm. More people practice vinyasa yoga than any other style. Yeah. And and that's what kind of that's what style they they were leaning towards and then they um, found that my approach to vinyasa yoga was the one that they wanted to go with. So I was very fortunate to bring this this unique style of yoga which um, is not so much based on the sequencing, but it's more based on the approach to the whole class mm. so the way the class is brought broken up it's broken up into seven doorways mm. and any teacher can really bring their spirit to it and even there's some sequencing is important but these doorways are more important and the first doorway that we teach student teachers how to create is called the doorway of sacred space and that's about the very, that's usually the first five minutes of class. And that's where you allow students to come as they are. Mm. Where you give them permission just to start where they are, not where you want them to be, not where they, they think they're supposed to be. It's a way to kind of sort of disarm. There's a lot of intimidation in yoga. They think that they have to be a certain way. So it's a way to just allow them to, to truly relax around the moment as it is. Yeah, I remember in the beginning of your class, we were 
you know, laying face down, um, just with, you know, allowing the legs to come open and just relax the hips. And it was very grounding, Mm. very, very relaxing. And it really brought forth like that subtlety of breath because you really can feel the inhales and the exhales as you're there on your chest. That's, that's the whole idea is just being with, with whatever you brought in. You know, some teachers come in and they say, okay, let go of whatever you brought in. No, you know, leave at the door what you don't want, you know, what, what happened earlier. And in, in the sacred space, no, you just be with whatever you brought in. If you brought in, if you just smoked a cigarette, then feel that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you just got into a fight with your, you know, significant other, then you just feel that. Yeah. So it's not about trying to change or leave something out. It's just being present with what is. What is. Mm, I like that. And in the language of the Buddha, it's called Yata Buddha. Yata Buddha, as it is. Mm-hmm. And what's the second? And the second door, so once you're able to, to um, know that, if that's all you did, um, is just come onto your yoga mat and just lie there. And I have, I've had students that, I had one student for three months, that's all she did was come onto a yoga mat and lie there. She didn't do anything else. We taught the whole class and she was just lying on her belly, kind of like you were mentioning, for the, for the whole class for three months. Mm -hmm. And then after three months, she started to slowly participate more and more. But she came up to me and she said, Johnny, I just want to let you know that this was the only place that I could come and just be with myself. You see, my mother passed away and I had no, my relationship with my mom was so powerful that I felt like I had, you know, no strength. And I just needed to mourn her loss. And everywhere I went, people try to fix me. Oh, it's okay. You can let it go now. And they try to make me better, or they try to. And this was the only place I could go and just be with that mm. feeling. That's sacred space. Yes. And so sacred space could last the whole class, or it could last three months, <laughs> or it could just be the first five minutes. But you give that kind of permission. Yes. Because you never know what someone's walking in with, and. And you just let them have that permission. So that's a big, that's a stage. And, and that could be taken like so many different ways. Some teachers can come in and create sacred space by simply chanting. Mm. So it's really, you see how it's kind of, it's a template yes. that allows a teacher to bring in what they're feeling at the moment. One um, class I came in, it was the, the next morning, the next day after the Sandy elementary school is that the right oh thing? yeah the the shooting the shooting yeah and I walked into the class and you could just feel the sadness mm-hmm. and the heaviness within the students in the class the whole room so it's just about instead of me coming in out oh turning on rap music and let's go and it's sacred space is just honoring the moment mm-hmm. that moment there was just heaviness there was sadness so we all held hands so sacred space can be can can be a lot of different things, but it's mostly being true mm. to the moment as it is, even if that means disappointing somebody else. Yeah. Second doorway. If we're gonna, are we gonna try to get through all, all, yeah, all yeah. seven doorways? Yeah, we're going through all seven. Okay. <laughs> Second doorway is once you establish that sacred space, then then you, as a teacher, you can start to give direction, and then and the second one we call it igniting the spirit. And igniting the spirit kind of goes through the spirit in, in many ancient languages, Hebrew, Arabic, Latin, 
even the Hawaiian, the word for spirit is the same word as what? Breath. Mm. So the second doorway is igniting the spirit, igniting your breath. Because the breath is the bridge that takes us from where? Outside to, to inside. inside yeah. From thinking to feeling. It's the bridge from our head to our heart. So we ignite the spirit because we want, as a teacher, we don't really want to, we want to speak, we want to have a relationship with the student's nervous system, yeah, with their being. So the breath allows us to have that dialogue, that feedback mm -hmm. with the nervous system. So the next part, that doorway, and some, that door is not easy to open, is, is getting the students to start to pay attention to their breathing and even maybe introducing ujjayi pranayama or some some more powerful breathing. Yes. It could be, you know, again, it's open to the teacher. If you want to do alternate nostril breathing, if you want to do bio kumbhaka, mm -hmm. exhale retention or antara kumbhaka, or just ujjayi pranayama, or just full, complete yoga breaths, but it's just bringing attention to the breath and igniting that spirit of the breath. Because mm -hmm. once you start really breathing like that, I remember I had a student come up to me and say, Johnny, I, had the, I just took the best class I've ever had in over five years. I'm like, Lily? She goes, I just had the best class I've ever had in five years with you. And she goes, it wasn't, it wasn't your music. She said, it wasn't your sequencing. She said, it wasn't even you. It was the first time I stayed with my breath for the whole hour. Hmm. I was like, wow. So that, that alone, that doorway alone, if you can just, if you just open those two doorways alone, you can, students will leave, can, can have a powerful experience. So sometimes I'll just say, this is a breathing class. Everything else is optional. And that's not easy. I mean, try it. If you try just to really pay attention to your breathing for the whole hour without any interruption, very challenging. Definitely. Very few students can accomplish that. <laughs> to me, that's a, a huge thing. So that igniting the spirit is huge. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, I've been to yoga classes where the breath's not even mentioned. It's not even a doorway. Yeah. It's a kind of a secondary thing. To us, breath is primary. Everything else is secondary. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's a huge doorway. Once that doorway is open, then that takes you to the next doorway, which we call lighting your fire lighting your sensual fire mm. and that is starting to warm up it's actually the biggest part of class warm up sun A sun B we, we use Ashtanga yoga sun yeah. A sun B but it could be any kind of it doesn't have to necessarily be that it could be other but you start to warm up mm -hmm. you start to connect the breath with movement that's vinyasa mm -hmm. you start to link the breath with movement it could be cat cow to start but you start to connect the breath with the movement. That's a big doorway. We, we usually do um, spend the most, out of the whole hour, the most amount of time warming up. And if you think about it, like, I'm a big sports fan, basketball fan in particular, and I'll um, go to basketball games early to see the players warm up. And a lot of the players spend more time warming up than they actually do in the game. Yeah. I mean, you're a soccer player. I don't know if that's true for you as well. Definitely. I mean, in the beginning of my career, I really found that if I didn't warm up, I would pull my muscles. And mm. I had tons of Achilles ankle injuries and tons of uh, calf injuries. That's like my weak point, I would say. 
because I wouldn't warm up. And early on, I figured out, hey, I got to warm up. I got to stretch out my ankles. I got to roll my ankles around. I've got to, you know, really massage the back of my heels, the back of my Achilles, the back of my calves, so that when I get in the game, I don't have to worry about it. Absolutely. So we spend most, you know, most of the classes you took, Sun A we did, Sun B, and then we created a, a longer sequence, Sun C, and it was all warming up. Mm-hmm. That was a good 30, maybe 30 minutes of class. Did you get warmed up? Oh, I was warm. I was warm. I will have you know that after the first uh, sequence that we did with just those lunges and then going from the lunges to um, the Warriors and then from the Warriors, <laughs> that was... The, to, that was the second. I mean, the first sequence with Sun A was the mountain pose to, you know, mm, Sun A. Yes. And then the Sun B was the, the second warm-up was the lunges Mm -hmm. and then the third was the boats yes the boat pose was incorporated in that too the third so um but anyways that was you know it's you know preparation meets opportunity Mm -hmm. even i know some businessmen they'll spend more time preparing for the deal than actually signing the deal Mm -hmm. so it's it's really just taking your time to warm up bringing this i often will say this pot of water to a slow boil Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a big doorway, taking your time and, and really making sure that um, that a day does not go by where you don't bring yourself to, um, where you don't light yourself on fire. <laughs> I like that, definitely. And I, I found from my own, talking about wellness, from my own experience by creating my own yoga fever every morning, I rarely ever go to bed with a fever at night. Mm-hmm. It's really quite amazing. It does ignite your immune system. Totally. So that's the third doorway, warming up. And then the fourth doorway is, it's kind of like if you've ever been camping, and you want to use that as a metaphor, the sacred space is creating the pit. Yeah, the the, fire pit. The fire pit. The ignite the spirit is making sure there's lots of oxygen. You know, you have to be in it. The lighting the fire, the warm-ups, is the kindle. Mm Mm-hmm. And then what do you do after you get the fire going, you got the Kindle going? Then put those big logs on put it. Put those logs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and, and that's the next stage. That's the fourth stage. Mm-hmm. And adding some, some longer holding, but not the yin longer holding muscular energetic poses. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The standing posture, yeah, the did, twists. We did, I think, King Dancer. Yep. Held it for a little while, you know. So, yeah, and then... Um, and then Utita, standing like Utita. Hasta para Gustavo, yep. letter C. Mm-hmm. And then I think, um, then after the fourth doorway, after you, it's kind of like you can go back to the campfire analogy. After you get that fire raging, mm-hmm. then you can utilize the fire. Yeah. You can make spaghetti. <laughs> you can, so then that's when we go into yin. You take those noodles, you put the waters boiling, you put them in there. And, just and you melt. just sit in it. Yeah. You sit in it. I think we did heroes, yeah. Defining Heroes, Kramasana. Oh, just we also did Hanumanasana. Yes. Which I love because so often I go to classes and that posture is never offered. And it's like, you know, it's great to do Arda Hanumanasana, like, you know, half of the pose, but why not offer the full pose, you know? Why not offer the full expression of the posture so that we can yeah. really feel where our bodies are, you know? 
Well, that's kind of where I broke away from Ashtanga, too, because Ashtanga says, until you master one pose, you can't go to the next. Mm-hmm. And then it became really clear to me that it's really not about mastering the pose. That's what, it's about mastering the mind. Mm-hmm. The poses are just tools for yoga, chitta, vritti, naroda. Definitely. And so, so many systems of yoga focus so much on the posture. The posture is the aim. They, so many classes are designed to build up to a climatic pose. Mm-hmm. And the focus is the posture. And they're missing, they're missing something. Not to say there's not benefit in that. There's, people get more confident. They love playing with and becoming, developing mastery of these poses. But if they, they're missing something, if they don't see that, it, that's not the end. That's just a means mm-hmm. to quiet the mind, to change the habit pattern of the mind. And that's, um, that's where my practice really shifted is after that 10-day, coming back to that 10-day Vipassana meditation. Because then I got off the posture race. Mm. It wasn't about mastering the poses anymore. It was about mastering my mind. And it changed my whole yoga practice from using my body to get into the poses to using the poses to get into my body. It seems kind of a simple play in words, but if you really understand that, it changes your whole practice. That's the truth. I really like the way that that's put. Yeah. Because that's the, the truth of it is that these poses are used to get into the body because then we can fully assess the awareness that we bring to the body. Beautiful. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the gift is the awareness. Mm-hmm. But if you're so like focused on... Now, uh, how does this pose look? Yes. Oh, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so the sixth doorway then is finishing. We call it surrendering, you know, moving towards closing, finishing posture, surrendering. Mm-hmm. And then the seventh and final doorway is if you, if you really opened up and went through all those doorways, the seventh doorway just opens naturally. Mm-hmm. It just swings wide open. And that's the doorway of gratitude. Mm. of loving kindness and you're there in Shavasana you come up and you just you have so much love and and good feelings to share yeah it's that after yoga glow yeah (laughs) definitely I love that the seven is it seven doorways doorways yeah that's beautiful of teaching this methodology everybody will you know has their own methodology but this methodology of vinyasa is not so much about the you know, having a cookie cutter sequence, mm-hmm. but it's more about the having an outline, a structure, a template of doorways that you're passing through. And so it's not always, it doesn't always happen. You don't pass through all seven doorways in a class. That's the idea. But sometimes, some, like I said, some people will just stay in, lie on their mats for the whole class. Some people can just stay in child pose and breathe the whole class. Just mm-hmm. under the, it doesn't necessarily mean that you get through all seven doorways, but it's a quite an experience if you do get through all seven. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you're now teaching this to over a thousand teachers, wow, nationwide. Yeah, and there's been plenty of studios that have opened up trying to copy this, trying mm-hmm. that have taken class from me and oh, I want to bring this to LA. So we just had um, a, a, a couple studios in LA just open up recently in the in the spirit of this style, <laughs> but. 
It's not easy. There will always be those. You know, yeah. they say that copying is the best yeah. compliment. Yeah, so it is. It's, it's, it's exciting to see this style of yoga now popping up in in, in the world, world capital of yoga, mm-hmm. L- L.A., yeah, um, but it's not an easy. It's not. It's it really takes a while to develop mastery of of those doorways of really opening them up. Definitely. And what would you say now is the future of um, what is the name of this this uh, style? There's no no trademark, no copyright, no name. Oh, wow! So it's just something it's that you. I mean, Lifetime calls it Life Power. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the name of their thing, but I've never put a name on it. So you're just offering it as mm. as yeah I've, I feel like there's a danger in putting a name on it and tying it to some it kind of doesn't it just never felt good to try to label it mm-hmm. so and, and it's evolved I used to call it the I used to call it the stages the stages of yoga now I'm calling it, now it feels better to say the doorway so it, it keeps evolving evolving anyways and changing yeah as yoga always does <laughs> that's beautiful so I mean this basically brings us exactly where we need to be which is um, to talk about the future of what your plan is for your yoga mm, for my personal Practice or personal practice, continued expansion, continued teachings. So it sounds like I mean you're you're bringing up uh, four awesome children who are yogis as well. I've met Jonah already, who's yeah. the eldest of your sons, and he's an amazing teacher. Thank you. Yeah, it's just I don't know that I have a plan. Um, I've never had a business plan. It's all been sort of very beautiful, organic unfolding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely would like to hold a space for whatever Jonah wants to move into. Anything, anything I can do to help, help, you know, this this understanding of yoga grow. Um, so I don't know that I have any any real big plans for the future, mm-hmm. other than just you know my daily morning practice myself. Mm-hmm. And then and, and, and helping teachers, you know, develop and become, you know. The best that they can be. Yes. Definitely. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, we always conclude with um, a few golden nuggets. Those, like, mm. very essential teachings that we can share with the Yoga Revealed podcast listeners and... This family of Yoga Revealed listeners is very much so, you know, rooted in listening to this because there's so many, so many great things that we can talk about, but it's always those golden nuggets that stick with us. Uh, Golden nuggets. I would say the golden nugget, if you're practicing yoga, you're listening to this, uh, it's kind of helpful, a teacher's helpful to give you some signs if you're moving in the right direction. So there, I've noticed there's three si- three three different places you can end up in in your yoga in your yoga practice that you can look for. One is a an ego centered practice, which is kind of like what you were saying. Am I doing it right? Do I look good? Just be mindful. Notice that it's not it's not um, necessarily a bad thing. It's often a doorway to to something else. But there's an ego centered practice. Then the next step. 
is the breath center practice. Mm -hmm. Where the ego's still there, am I doing it right, do I look good, but you're starting to give more importance to your breath. Mm -hmm. And and eventually at some point maybe the breath becomes stronger than the, than your judgments. Your breath and your practice becomes stronger than your old tape recordings of I'm not good enough or I'm not doing this right or I'm too fat or I'm too thin. Or, so you know, it might start out kind of ego centered, then you give then you become breath centered. And then the, the third circle, if you have one circle is the ego centered, then the bigger circle is the breath centered, and then there's a bigger circle around that circle. And that's the heart-centered yoga practice, mm. where your practice is about generating unconditional love towards yourself and others. And yeah, the breath is there, but it's, it actually even loses its power, and it's more just about the heart. Mm. The heart shines through. The heart shines through. That, that's, that's, for me, um, the signs that my yoga practice is working and moving in the right direction hmm. I like that very much so. ego centered breath centered heart centered hmm. and it it, it it can sometimes you can fall back <laughs> but it's kind of like okay well this is where I am today yeah definitely blessings thank you so much Johnny Kest for being here on the Yoga Revealed podcast today and for sharing your wisdom and love with these amazing listeners and all the people around the world who are listening to this today. We are greater for your knowledge and very much so grateful for your wisdom. Mm. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Johnny Kess. Make sure to check out the Center for Yoga at centerforyoga.com for more details on Johnny's upcoming classes, travel schedule, and amazing teachings worldwide. For more information on a Life Power class near you, log on to lifetimefitness.com to drop into a class sequenced by Johnny at your local Lifetime Fitness gym. Until next time, yoga revealers, live light, shine bright. Blessings indeed. Peace. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.